brethren, all of us have experienced a feast, a first feast of tabernacles at some time in our lives. Uh, Dr. Meredith experienced his first feast of tabernacles in 1949. I can remember my first feast of tabernacles in 1963 as an ambassador college student. Uh, and at that time, the uh, feast was ongoing. They had the buildings. Uh, there were, again, uh, thousands of brethren. It was a very expiring, inspiring and encouraging uh, time period. And so now we no longer think it strange to observe the holy days. In fact, most of us are so familiar with the Feast of Tabernacles that planning is virtually automatic. We've saved our festival tithe throughout the year. We've chosen to attend the feast where we're able to, where God has said his name, unless certain circumstances have prevented us from going there. We're enjoying our housing accommodations, or perhaps not enjoying them, depending on uh, what we've chosen. We're fellowshipping with God's people at the various meetings and activities. Perhaps we're at home if we have to be at home. We're listening online or from a festival CD or DVD. Now, isn't this, again, what God's people have always done? Well, the surprising answer is not always. There have been times when the keeping of God's annual feasts have been neglected. Uh, how do we come to understand the meaning of the annual feast and begin to observe them? Today, I want to talk about the Feast of Tabernacles through the years. Uh, let's begin with the Bible record. All of us have access to the Bible. We've read about the festivals in detail, their origins, and God's instructions on how to observe them. The scriptures also reveal that the feasts were kept or not kept uh, at various times, depending on how Israel obeyed God uh, there in that ancient world. In the book of Ezekiel, uh, chapter 20, again, we find that there were time periods uh, when Israel simply would not obey God. And so we find here in Ezekiel, chapter 20, uh, verse 11, God says, and I gave them my statutes and showed them my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Eternal, who sanctifies them. And yet the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness, and they did not walk in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And, notice, they greatly defiled my Sabbaths. Again, that's plural. So not just the weekly Sabbath, but the annual Sabbaths. And so at that point, we find that Israel was not, again, obeying God as they ought to. Now, when we come to the New Testament record of the church... Uh, we find that they, the, the apostles, the New Testament church, obeyed the laws of God. They kept the weekly Sabbaths. They observed the annual Sabbaths. But in the book of Revelation, it talks about the church in the wilderness. And the church, I am sure, never overtly rejected the uh, holy days or the Sabbaths. But there were times when the annual holy days were actually either neglected or put on the shelf. 
uh, when I came into the Kansas City area, I had an opportunity to visit with a lady, a very gracious elderly lady, uh, who had uh, lived her basic life church experience uh, at Stanbury, near Stanbury, Missouri, what used to be one of the major centers of the Church of God's Seventh Day. And when we talked about the Feast of Tabernacles, she mentioned that we had not kept the Feast of Tabernacles. As she said, we kept the Passover and the weekly Sabbath very faithfully, but their, their group had not observed the other annual festivals and holy days. So it was really a revelation. She was so glad to hear that, yes, there, there is a group observing all the rest of the days commanded in the Scriptures, in the Bible. So we find that between the 1700s and the early 1900s, according to the church history by Duggar and Dodd, we read again of the weekly Sabbath and the Passover being kept and observed by the church of God. But again, we still do not read about the other annual festivals being observed on a consistent basis. Now at this point, God raised up the Philadelphia era of the church of God through Mr. Armstrong. It was time for the church to begin the work of preaching the gospel to the world, emphasizing the kingdom of God as a witness in this end of the age. We're all familiar with the book of Matthew, book of Matthew chapter 24. And here we find in Matthew 24, verse 14, excuse me, let's start with verse, yeah, let's go with verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. And so that was the work that was beginning to be raised up uh, through Mr. Herbert Armstrong at that time period. Uh, but what was it like? Because, again, he came from a group that had not been observing the feast. Uh, what was it like to begin observing these feasts for the very first time? Well, we do have some detailed letters that Mr. Armstrong sent out through the years that describe the keeping of the feast and how knowledge increased. And I believe you'll be surprised how our early brethren started out as compared to what we have today. Again, we are so blessed with the knowledge, the planning, uh, the administration of it. We are keeping it the way God would want us to. But how did it all begin? I want to start with a letter uh, in the time period of, of uh, September 1939. Now, you have to understand the, the world was now entering a time of turmoil. The, uh, there had been drought in, in America, uh, the famous Dust Bowl earlier. We have the, the problems in Europe, in Germany. Uh, it was a time of war and impending war in the world. And so we find here Mr. Armstrong writes to the brethren, Dear brethren of Eugene Church. This is Eugene, Oregon, uh, the, the mother or the birthplace of the Philadelphia era of the church. Uh, notice this letter. For over a year, we have looked forward to the Festival of Tabernacles as our camp meeting time, the Bible time for camp meeting. Now we must, within two weeks of that time, decide at once what we are going to do. As you can tell, this is a little less complicated than what we have today. 
but isn't it amazing that we're talking about two weeks before the Feast of Tabernacles. And he's saying we've got to decide what we're going to do. Again, the church was just learning, and Mr. Armstrong was now preaching, beginning to observe these feasts. He continues, if there was a time, every time, when we need to come together in this meeting, it is now. The war has started in Europe. Probably the last world war to be ended by the return of Christ. If so, the time of great tribulation is now right upon us. Persecution because we are Sabbath keepers and do not have the mark of the beast. A time when some of us must face martyrdom. Followed by the terrible plagues of the day of the Lord. Now, Mr. Armstrong had the basics right, but the wrong timing. And uh, that should not surprise us. We find in Second Peter uh, chapter 1, again, the book of Second Peter chapter 1, uh, God inspired this apostle to, to really begin to understand that sometimes we, we have to grow in a knowledge and an understanding of the timing of God's plan. So here we find, and again, Second Peter, uh, let's go to chapter 1. And here in Second Peter chapter 1, let's go to uh, verse 19. There we go. He begins, and so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed, as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts. Uh, we find that there's this analogy here. That there are times when, you know, it, it was really dark before sunrise. Uh, it's very difficult to see the, the details. But as the sun rises, little by little, the uh, silhouettes begin to gather details. And as the sun rises more fully, we begin to see clearly uh, the landscape around us. And that's the same way in regard to prophecy. Uh, but as we get near the actual time periods, it becomes more clear as the events reveal themselves. And so that's why in this day and age, we have a far clearer picture of what is going on than what Mr. Armstrong would have had uh, back in that time period. Well, concerning uh, or continuing with the excerpts of this letter, that surely this war breaking out just before the Feast of Tabernacles makes it doubly important that we drop everything else at this time and gather ourselves together for this eight-day festival. You know, Mr. Armstrong was zealous, and he understood the importance of God's way of life. He begins to instruct the brethren. He says, The instruction, Fenton translation is, on the 15th day of the seventh month, quoting from Leviticus 23, after the reaping of the produce of your land, you shall enjoy the feast of the ever-living for seven days. From the first day after the Sabbath, that is the annual Sabbath, until the eighth day after the Sabbath, you shall take for yourselves on the first day handfuls of the finest fruits from the trees, with the palm and the boughs of bushes and willow, and enjoy yourselves before the ever-living God for seven days. Thus you shall feast in this feast to the ever-living seven days every year. It shall be a perpetual institution for your descendants. 
You shall hold the festival in the seventh month, living in tents for seven days. All the natives of Israel shall live in tents, so that your posterity may know that the sons of Israel dwelt in tents when I brought you out from the land of Egypt. And I am your ever-living God. Again, that was from the Fenton translation that Mr. Armstrong quoted. The authorized version translates, translates it booths, while Fenton has tents. But the idea seems to be a temporary dwelling place, whether made of canvas or wood. To live in canvas cloth tents at this time of year in our climate would be very difficult for many, and surely a cabin such as the auto cabins along the highway would fit the intended meaning just as well and be much more convenient for most of us. So already Mr. Armstrong was understanding how do we apply the principle of Leviticus 23 and God's instructions to our modern times. He goes on, but regardless of this, one thing seems clear. This is not to be a meeting where the brethren just come to the church building for perhaps one afternoon service and one or two night services during the week. Certainly that would not be keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Notice the perpetual command forever. He says, Thus shall you feast in this feast to the ever-living seven days every year. Living in tents, that is booths or cabins, for seven days. Plainly it means to drop our regular work and cares dwelling together in the special way seven days out of the year, eight days counting the first Sabbath. So for, for some of the brethren, this was the first time they had this concept. Now later on, just uh, as a side, uh, when I was a ministerial trainee in the Oregon area, uh, we had an individual, a couple, they didn't have children, but it was a man and a wife, and they were camping out in tents in a city park in the uh, middle of July, and or the beginning of July. And uh, when we talked to them, they said, well, we were obeying the commandment of uh, the seventh month. That, in the, of course, their thinking was July. And then they finally understood, no, it's the seventh month of God's calendar, and that was in the fall. So even though they had kept uh, it in July, they also, just a few months later, observed the Feast of Tabernacles with the Church of God at the right month. And they did it for the eight-day festival, including uh, the last great day. Well, Mr. Armstrong, again, getting back to this very imminent time, remember a time of war, a time of upheaval, you know, where, where again, it would even seem like this is the uh, times of revelation description. He said, this must be what Jesus had in mind when he warned us for this very time. Take heed for yourselves, lest at any time, your hearts be overcharged with cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. He quoted Luke chapter 21, uh, verse 34. Now your question is this. Can we undertake, and we, we uh, know later on Mr. Armstrong would not have uh, just used perhaps that kind of approach, but he was appealing and instructing the brethren at an early time. He says, can we undertake and hold a successful Feast of Tabernacles the way the Bible says. Will we do it? Now we find that he continues, uh, what about being tied down at home with the cares of the chores and so forth? Remember, Eugene, Oregon was a very uh, rural area, 
uh, many farmers and uh, ranchers and loggers uh, in that area. So he says, what about being tied down at home with the cares of the chores and so forth? If these cares are going to come first and you are so overcharged with them, we cannot all come together and remain together dwelling, as the Bible says, the entire seven days through, including morning, afternoon, and night meetings, then it is just impossible for us to have a successful festival of tabernacles. Now, how you brethren can manage to have your stock taken care of, I do not know. Loma and I have been getting some real rest, but so far only just a beginning of what I must have to get back into the work full strength. The truth is, I do not feel strong enough to undertake the responsibility of this very serious meeting unless there will be enough of our brethren attending in the way the Bible says. Uh, Being present at the daytime as well as night meetings every day to make it a success. At this time of year, we cannot hope to get very many to come from a distance. The Feast of Tabernacles is not intended to be an evangelistic effort. Outsiders are not to be invited, just God's own people in the church. Now, he modifies this just a little bit here. It says, So the backbone of the attendance must be supplied by our brethren of Eugene Church. Therefore, the success of or failure of this festival depends upon whether the majority, at least, of our local membership will just brush aside every hindering weak excuse, find some way to be relieved of our regular cares and duties, uh, drop everything, and camp here together at Eugene for the entire period. Uh, Since God commands us to do this, I'm sure we can all find it true. When there's a will, there's a way. I don't know how you can manage it, of course, But if we take it to the Lord in prayer and have a will to do as the Bible says, I'm sure the Lord will open the way somehow for each one of you so that you can be free to attend for the entire festival period. Again, remember, this is the time period when brethren were just really beginning to understand the importance of observing these feasts. Uh, He talks about being in constant correspondence with Brother John Kios in South Dakota. And he was uh, hoping that he would be able to assist and uh, help out at these Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, He talked about uh, he was in the uh, military. Uh, That understanding came a little later as well. But uh, he also uh, understood that even Canada now has declared war. And uh, so he was talking about, you know, those individuals who had obstacles to overcome and to work out in order to obey God. But in view of all the scriptures, some telling us to dwell or live in tents or booths or cabins, others telling us at this time to call a solemn assembly meeting in the house of the eternal. It seems the way to do, as the Bible says, is for us to come and live in cabins or tents near the church, holding our meetings or assemblies in the house of the Eternal, our church building. Uh, He felt at this point, Mr. Armstrong says, we should have morning, afternoon, and evening services. And we must have special young people's meetings and plans for the children. 
So at the very get-go, Mr. Herbert Armstrong and his wife Loma were very concerned not just of the older brethren, but of our young children. And uh, God has put that that uh, thought in the mind, not only of Mr. Armstrong, but, but uh, Mr. Meredith and so many others who have been leaders in the church of God to never forget our children. Now, the question now is whether there will be enough of us who will manage to come and remain through the festival to be worth going ahead with it at all. We have looked forward to it a long time. It is doubly necessary now that war has started. We never needed it so badly as now. We are all in dire spiritual need. Perhaps our salvation depends on it. If we go ahead with it, notice that if. I think later on we would never have used the word if. You know, we would say we are going uh, on with it. But this time again, Mr. Armstrong is trying to persuade the brethren to really understand. So he says, if we go ahead with it, I must send out a general letter to our brethren in Portland, Vancouver, Jefferson, and other points, and to a number of our most interested radio listeners, urging them to come. So Mr. Armstrong did include individuals who were not members of the church, but were radio listeners, what we'd call maybe co-workers, or a helper, or those who are very interested uh, later on in the church of God. I'm sure several of our newer members of Portland and Vancouver will come if we can hold it. We need to come together with them, get acquainted, and learn to know one another. So I can know whether to go ahead with the plans and send out this letter. I'm going to ask each of you to let me know by return mail. Uh, yes, there used to be uh, actual mail delivery at that time. Uh, that's before the Internet and emails and other, uh, other aspects of communication by computer. But uh, by return mail, whether you will try to plan to come and be in regular attendance through the festival from the first Holy Day, Thursday, September 28th, through the last Holy Day, Thursday, October 5th, which was the time period in that year. So will you please fill out the slip below, tear off and return it to me on the first mail after you receive this. If we all decide we want to go ahead and, and enough will come so we can, I must send this other letter out at once. Now, what was this this letter? Now, again, this is going to be very complex. Uh, all of you who have registered for the feast, you know all the questions and, and what you're supposed to do to register. Well, here was the, the registration at their 1939. Uh, he said, this is the questions. Do you expect to be able to camp or stay in a cabin near the church for the entire festival? And a little blink spot. How many in your family will come? Again, a blink spot for filling that in. If not, how many of the meetings do you think your family will be able to attend? Like morning meetings or whatever. Uh, that was it. That was the registration. Two weeks before the Feast of Tabernacles was to begin. And then Mr. Armstrong, he said, uh, ended, Loma and I both send lots of love and hope to see you again soon. Your brother and pastor, Herbert Armstrong. So uh, that was the uh, first letter that I at least was able to find in regard to the brethren beginning in the Philadelphia era there in Eugene, Oregon, to begin really keeping the Feast of Tabernacles. Now here's another letter 
shows some progress. Have things changed? You know, does God inspire uh, improvement and uh, more understanding? Yes, He does. Uh, this is a good newsletter. I believe it was in again 1945 at that time period. And he, the headlines is, uh, Be glad and rejoice, for the eternal will do great things. We have reason indeed for rejoicing. God has given us a most desirable place for holding the Feast of Tabernacles this year. This year we can keep it more like they did back in Bible times. At Belknap is a lovely 30-room resort hotel. You know, 30 rooms. Uh, there is a large, pleasant lobby or living room, well furnished with Davenports. Uh, for those of you uh, in our modern times, that means like a couch. <laughs> uh, Davenports, lounging chairs, floor and table lamps, piano and so forth with a large fireplace. We will rearrange this room, adding a sufficient number of folding chairs, turning it into a beautiful and comfortable meeting room for holding all services. We will appoint one of our women head cook, and the others will take turns in assisting with the cooking, uh, waiting tables, and so forth. And occupants of each room will make their own beds and take care of their own rooms. Uh, this serves the double purpose of considerably reducing the expense and giving us total privacy. We are able to finish, or we are to furnish our own food. A plan will be devised whereby each one coming will contribute ration points proportionately and food brought in quantity by one person in charge. Uh, that was the time, that was before my time. I was born in 1945, uh, but I'd heard about the rationing that certain foods uh, were very scarce or because of the war effort, they had to be very limited. And so there was rations for uh, gas and rations for certain foods and so forth. So uh, they were going to combine their ration cards for to provide food for the Feast of Tabernacles. They said farmer members will bring vegetables. Uh, perishable items such as bread, milk, and butter can be bought daily at McKenzie Bridge about five miles away. Remember, this is up the uh, McKenzie River Gorge and again, beautiful area of Oregon. By eliminating all expenses of hiring help, supplying our own food, we are able to secure the exclusive use of this splendid resort at a minimum expense within the reach of all. In fact, the cost is less than it would be to rent a cabin in Eugene if we were holding the festival there again this year. Uh, costs in Eugene have gone up. Uh, cabins there, it now appears, will not be available this year. Uh, this has always been the headaches of those who work with the festival office, that you have the feast and costs go up, or there's uh, not something available at the time. Uh, so, uh, you know, I really appreciate what uh, Mr. Jim Meredith is doing and others who have had to try to work with finding halls for the Feast of Tabernacles and keep costs down. It's just a never-ending uh, battle and uh, work. Uh, he, Mr. Armstrong continues, there are 15 cabins on the grounds at Belknap. Those engaging cabins must bring their own bedding. Hotel rooms, of course, are completely furnished. There are, there are on the ground some beautiful outdoor spots, like in a lovely park, where on occasion, if we prefer and weather permits, we may eat or hold services outdoors. Beside the hotel is a large outdoor swimming pool. This is the best fishing in America on the McKenzie. 
I know some of you brethren who uh, may live in Montana or Wyoming might disagree with that, uh, but that was uh, the way Mr. Armstrong described it. Uh, the only living ex-president, Herbert Hoover, customarily comes yearly to the Mackenzie to fish. Uh, there are numerous trails for mountain climbing and hiking. Uh, just a word of caution, however, we are going to Belknap for a great spiritual feast. So all hiking, fishing, and so forth should be done at such hours as not to conflict with any of the services. Now you think about that, that's kind of a challenging. You have morning services, you have afternoon services and evening services, and so you've got to uh, you know, kind of jam in between services, maybe take a picnic lunch or something if you're going to hike or fish or whatever. Remember, that's what we did in Squaw Valley between uh, morning and afternoon services. We'd kind of rush back to our, our rooms and then uh, hike maybe for a half hour, an hour before uh, coming back for the, uh, the afternoon services. But uh, they had to do the same thing. It says, now, brethren, listen. If you are really converted, you are to sit with Christ on his throne. You are to manage the world. You, you, yes, you yourself are to be the one to teach and to be used in enforcing all other, uh, all others still then mortal on earth to leave their homes, their farms, their businesses and go up once each year to the place God selects. Uh, it will then again be Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. If you are a true child of God now, if you are truly converted, if you are going to be in the kingdom, then you will be the one who will have to teach others then to leave their homes and go to the place God designates to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And Christ will use you to teach, to warn them of the punishment if they make excuse and fail to go, and perhaps to punish them for this disobedience. You know, that's Zechariah 14. talks about that. Now, the question for each one of you is to face squarely, without dodging it, is this. If you make excuse and treat this command of God lightly now and fail to come, then how can God use you then to teach, warn, and punish others for failure to do the very thing you are lax enough to fail to do right now? This is how. Can we not see that one of the things we have now to overcome as a condition to even getting into the kingdom is this very thing? Some of you will say, I can't afford it. Some will say, I just can't get anyone to take care of my stock. Or, I just can't leave my job or my business. Brethren, where there's a will, there's a way. An overcomer is one who overcomes these obstacles, who has the will and the determination with much earnest prayer and faith in God's help to find a way to overcome the obstacles. God tells you to come. God permits obstacles, trials, and tests, but we must ride over those, master those circumstances if we are truly Christians. We must take it earnestly, diligently to God in prayer and then believe and trust Him to bring about circumstances with our diligent and determined efforts to make it possible 
for us to go to the Feast of Tabernacles. This is one of the tests. We must not fail. The next he writes, how can we afford it? So again, beginning, you know, he talks about in that earlier letter about keeping the feast, but he doesn't address, you know, the financial part of it. Now he does. Would God command us to do something, and this is commanded as a statute forever? Leviticus 23, verse 14. Would he command us to do something and then not provide a way to make it possible for us to afford to do it? So I can't take space here to go into the matter thoroughly, as will be done later. But, but very briefly, study these texts in your Bible. Open your mind to God's truth when it is new light to us. And then Mr. Armstrong begins to explain tithing. And then he comes to the festival tithe in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 through 29. And again, we can turn there. That's what the brethren would have done. They would have gone, as Mr. Armstrong described, to back to Deuteronomy. And we cover these scriptures even today, that is, in this day and age, virtually every Feast of Tabernacles or in preparation for it. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 14, the scriptures and Mr. Armstrong is quoting, You shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you shall eat before the eternal your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, the firstborn of your herds and your flocks, that you may learn to fear the eternal your God always. But if the journey is too long for you, so that you're not able to carry the tithe, or if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, when the eternal your God has blessed you, then you shall exchange it for money, take the money in your hand, and go to the place where the eternal your God chooses. And you shall spend that money for whatever your heart desires. Obviously, that's within the laws of God, of course. But for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires, you shall eat there before the eternal your God, and you shall rejoice, you and your household. So Mr. Armstrong talks about that, and then he comments in this letter, but here we find a tenth of your wages, salaries, or income to be set aside for your own use. Now, you cannot pay the same $10 tithe out of a $100 income to the minister to use in the gospel work and spend that same $10 on yourself. So consequently, when we read in God's word that you are to lay aside one-tenth of all you earn or receive for you yourself to spend at the Feast of Tabernacles and Passover time on yourself, that of necessity is a second tithe and not the same tithe you put in God's work. So again, notice that he realizes the second tithe can also be used at the other festivals as needed, not just the feast, but primarily it would be for the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, final details. Uh, please write me by return mail if possible uh, for your reservation. He says, just take the bull by the horns. As the saying is, make up your mind that you are coming as God commands, then set yourself to do it. Prices of cabins and hotel rooms include 
a portion charged on each one to pay for use of the grounds, dining room and kitchen, and the large room for holding services. In this way, each is charged his share in the general overhead. Now, again, notice these extravagant prices. And of course, you have to understand this is a time when money was uh, more valuable. But notice 15 cabins were available, but you had to bring your own bedding. And it would be $2.50 per day for cabin with one double bed. $3 per day for cabin with two double beds. This is then 30 hotel rooms, everything furnished, one in a room, one person in a room, $2.50 per day. If you, there was two in the room, uh, the, the cost in it with the double bed, one double bed, was $3 per day. He said, plan to arrive Friday, September 21st, leave September 30th, total of nine days at Belknap. Uh, buses leave Eugene Daly, 2 p.m., and take you direct to hotel at Belknap Springs. We may charter a special bus Friday, but for further information and reservations, write as soon as possible. We hope to have every hotel room and cabin filled. Again, do not be de- delay. And the address? Herbert W. Armstrong, P.O. Box 111, Eugene, Oregon. And so uh, that was the letter in, again, September. Now there's another letter. Again, uh, please bear with me here, but this is very essential to understanding as as God provided more knowledge and more understanding and how uh, the, the feast developed to where it is today. Uh, this now is in October of 1945. That letter was, uh, I believe, in September. It says, Dear Brethren, so I didn't get a minute to check up on costs and receipts of food until today. We finally came out far better than we thought we would. So we find that Mr. Armstrong uh, wanted to be accountable for uh, what God's people paid to observe the feast. He said the food bill came out less than it looked like it would. And by the end of the meeting, more money was received than earlier appearances indicated. Uh, Here's a brief condensed statement. Uh, Meats, fresh fruits and vegetables, $84.16. Groceries, $71.26. Dairy products, $34.69. A cook's salary and room and brother Kiaz's room, $116.50. Says a sister Wallace began work Thursday night at, at Belknap and did not finish till after breakfast Sunday. More than nine days total. So total expenses were $306. And 61 cents. Total received was $387.65. Balance placed in radio and publishing fund, $81.04. So again, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles and then, of course, that zeal to preach the gospel uh, through publishing and radio at that time. Now you are back home from the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles. What does Mr. Armstrong emphasize? Study your Bibles more. Go to a place alone with God and pray as you never did before. Uh, Spend at least one solid hour a day without getting up on your knees in private prayer with God beside much additional prayer and keeping constantly in a spirit of prayer. 
be more regular and punctual in assembling with the brethren every Sabbath and prayer meeting. You notice he's saying basically keep that zeal going. Keep close to God and let that fall over into the Sabbath uh, throughout the year. He says, start now to set aside where you won't and can't touch it, that is this tithe, for any other purpose. That second tithe God has ordained to cover your expenses at Passover, Pentecost, and next year's Feast of Tabernacles. So begin to realize some brethren were just learning about tithing, and he understood that you have to start just after the feast if you're going to have sufficient tithe to really obey God. He says, be a doer of the word and not just to hear only. Have courage to do it and then see how surely and abundantly God will bless you. The time to start that second tithe is now. If you don't do it now, you won't do it later. And then you'll lose the blessing. You'll lose the blessing and may not be able to come next year and have heard now uh, light in vain. That is the light of God's word in vain. If it was not made completely clear to you, write and tell me so and why. And let us study further until it is clear. But don't just neglect it. Now is the time to start this very day, this very week, with the very next dime or dollar you receive. He says, continuing, there were more than enough red stamps to cover the meat and butter. Again, these are ration stamps. And if those who sent stamps would write us, we will divide them equally among you. We have already engaged Belknap Springs for the next year. I think we will plan to schedule a little differently next year, making it more interesting. And so all will get more out of it. You notice that every year there's a, an experience. And as, as today is the same way, we learn from mistakes or we learn how we can do it better. And Mr. Armstrong had that in mind. He set that pattern. That we will profit from lessons learned this year. I'm sure we shall have a more interesting program reducing the amount of time spent indoors. I'm sure the brothers say, yay! <laughs> because it is difficult sometimes, especially if you have health problems, uh, to sit uh, so many hours uh, on a chair in services. But he said, I, 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 we should reduce the amount of time spent indoors sitting in services, allowing more time for being outdoors and praying like Jesus did on the mountainside, perhaps holding some outdoor services as well. We will try to arrange for all to take the trip to Crater Lake. Again, that was one of these, uh, again, uh, huge, beautiful areas there in southern Oregon uh, around a, uh, an extinct, I guess, well, a dormant volcano, I guess it is, in that part. Again, huge lake with this island in the middle, but a huge crater. Again, gorgeous uh, place to visit. As we will plan farther ahead for a better, more interesting program for children and young people. So again, emphasis that we have to remember our youth, our young people. Now, this is just a first beginning of this type of Feast of Tabernacles this year. And let us profit uh, from it. So remember, pray more. Study your Bible more. Keep closer to God. Trust Him not only more fully in all things, and start laying aside the second tithe now. God bless you and will make this wonderful festival uh, just closed the real beginning of a changed 
far more spiritual and joyful Christian life. Again, sincerely, in Jesus' name, Herbert W. Armstrong. As I mentioned, that Dr. Meredith kept his first feast in 1949, as I understand. And then the feast site was changed to Siegler Springs in California in 1952 after outgrowing Belknap Springs. So God was blessing the church. The membership was increasing. And then there was a letter written in 1961. So again, we're seeing how God has added to the church. God the Father called individuals uh, to be converted, to repentance, to be baptized, and God was adding so many more to his work in church. And so in 1961, uh, June 19th, he writes, Dear brethren, greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior and the living head of the church. I have more important news for you. Christ has moved and has opened up a wonderful door of opportunities to save his church a few millions of dollars. So God blessed the income. God blessed the growth of the church. Says This opportunity involves our utilizing a completely made-to-order resort facility for the Feast of Tabernacles right here on the West Coast. This will be in addition to continued use of our own large tabernacle near Gladewater, Texas. Let me explain. Years ago, God led Mrs. Armstrong and me to see that the command to observe God's annual Sabbaths or holy days was just as binding as the weekly Sabbath commandment. For the first few years, especially since I was the only full-time ordained minister in the church, it seemed that the holy days should only be observed in one location. We felt this particularly in regard to the Feast of Tabernacles, But as God's church expanded worldwide, it became evident that the feast must be observed in more than one location. As we explained in the December 57 Good News, God's ministers found in the Bible definite evidence that the annual feast, including the Feast of Tabernacles, were observed in at least four or five major areas by the inspired church of God under the direction of the original apostles. Realizing this, and God showing us what we needed, what was needed to be done by circumstances as well, this Philadelphia age of God's church now observes the Feast of Tabernacles in London, England, Sydney, Australia, Gladewater, Texas, in addition to minor observances in the Philippines, the British West Indies, northern Rhodesia, Africa, And by now, God has shown us by circumstances that we should observe the Feast of Tabernacles in an additional location here in the United States. It is Squaw Valley, California, the site of a 1960 Winter Olympics. It is breathtakingly beautiful, and the climate is considered ideal at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. Do you realize, brethren, that this is the exact area most centrally located for an additional site for the feast away from Texas. Our large church membership outside of the South and Midwest is on the Pacific Coast, and Squaw Valley is the perfect location for the West Coast and Mountain States brethren to assemble. Uh, So that was the the letter, and uh, he was so excited 
So again, most of us are familiar with the rest of the story. Uh, some of us uh, started, I said uh, earlier in, in uh, the, the last uh, century, or not century, but uh, the uh, 1900s, uh, usually about uh, after 1950, 1960, 1970, uh, there were many, many brethren being called at that time. And uh, in the uh, towards the end of the Worldwide Church of God, as far as that organization, uh, there were uh, more than uh, 150,000, I believe, uh, attending the uh, Feast of Tabernacles at that point. Uh, but with the uh, spiritual demise of that group, again, faithful ministers and brethren have continued to keep the annual Holy Days. Again, with the very same emphasis of faith, of prayer, of zeal for the kingdom of God, and preparing for the kingdom of God. And so uh, we now are meeting in, in uh, numerous sites in uh, different uh, countries around the world to serve God's people. But through the years, and uh, this is very critical, we see that uh, the growth and changes in regard to how the church of God observes the Feast of Tabernacles have taken place. But the same principles, the same principles, uh, one, the need to prepare for the feast in advance so that we can keep the feast. Uh, this means saving our festival tithe or trying to save towards the feast if we don't have tithable income. So Mr. Armstrong saw that again years and years ago. And God's word provided that there in Deuteronomy 14 and other places that we ought to do that to the best of our ability. And uh, for those who are perhaps uh, on very limited income or can't, uh, then we try to help them. Again, as long as they're willing to do uh, you know, uh, as much as they can, we try to help our brethren to be able to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. So uh, again, this means saving our festival tithe or trying to save toward the feasts if we don't have tithable income. So that was, uh, again, one constant that we have seen through the years. Uh, second constant the need to keep the feast in faith as overcoming obstacles that would prevent us from going. That could be job, could be school, could be family. Uh, now, obviously, there are health conditions and other legitimate reasons that might prevent you from going, but at least you can sign up for the DVDs or the live videos that might be available. But it does take faith. Uh, there are individuals who are in families that one mate uh, is fine with the feast, wants to keep the feast. The other one doesn't, uh, doesn't want their mate to go. Uh, it could be uh, the children might be docked grades. The teacher will threaten. threaten. If uh, you have your children go, this means uh, you know that they're going to lose grade points. That's going to affect their schooling. And then they go on their jobs and everything else. Uh, it takes faith. Is there a living God? Does he back up his laws and ways? Will he bless when you obey him? And the answer, God does. Again, we see that all through scriptures. And so that's a constant. Again, the need to keep the feast in faith. The third point that we see through the years, even to this very year, the need to keep the feast spiritually with prayer, with Bible study, using God's Holy Spirit, uh, that is so important. You know, Jesus Christ is head of the church. Uh, God the Father appointed him to be su such. 
Uh, how does the uh, feast work? Well, it's by God's blessing. Uh, God inspires the sermons as ministers pray and uh, they study and they prepare with God's Spirit to provide food in due season. And uh, all of us, whether we're speaking or we're attending for the first time, we need to think in terms spiritually. There may be some very beautiful locations. Uh, Mr. Armstrong described uh, Belknap Springs and the McKenzie River and later Squaw Valley. Again, gorgeous places on this earth. But the reason we're at the feast is a spiritual reason. To keep close to God, to understand our future, what God wants us to do in His kingdom. And so it does take prayer and Bible study and using God's Spirit. Uh, four, the fourth constant, uh, the need to keep the feast with understanding. Growing in knowledge of what these days mean and the prophecies leading up to the rule of Jesus Christ. You know, these feasts keep, keep us in constant reminder of why we are born, the, the hope of our future. It gives us courage in a world uh, that is becoming increasingly evil. You know, individuals calling good evil and evil good. Uh, governments trying to force uh, sin and the acceptance of sin on, on uh, their citizens. And so uh, God has given these days to keep us in perspective. We, we know the end of the story. We know that God wins, prevails. That Christ will return on this earth. We will rule with Him uh, as we again we keep this feast with understanding. Uh, fifth constant, the need to persevere so that we will continue to observe the feast year after year as long as we are alive and able to do so. Sometimes that just takes endurance, perseverance. Uh, sometimes as we grow, grow older, uh, which is, is always a shock to a lot of us, you know, we think we're going to be young forever. <laughs> we'll hopefully be in God's kingdom forever. But in this physical flesh, we do grow older. Sometimes there are injuries. Sometimes there are illnesses and difficulties. Sometimes there, there are times when we're just overwhelmed with emotional trials and tests. And we at times just need to endure, to persevere. Just keep going. Whether you feel like it or you don't, you do it because you know it's right. And you do it year after year and God blesses and encourages and strengthens. Uh, a sixth constant uh, that we find in Mr. Armstrong's early letters and the same thing we, we stress today. And that is the need to stay connected with the spiritual body of Christ, the church, so that we can go to the place that God has placed his name there. So we have to, again, stay connected with where we know the work is being done, where the truth, uh, as much as we understand and know, uh, and I think this group is preaching uh, the fullness of truth as we uh, can, uh, that we want to stay connected uh, with that right spirit, the right truth, the right work of God. So again, preparing for that kingdom, which leads us to the seventh constant that you'll find a common theme in all the letters the need to prepare for the coming kingdom of God, to zealously be about God's work, collectively in the preaching of the gospel and individually growing in the mind and nature of God. Uh, in uh, an October 16th co-worker letter uh, by Mr. Meredith, it's very interesting. He said, we've heard the letters written by Mr. Armstrong, 
But again, notice what uh, Mr. Meredith uh, emphasizes uh, here. And this is, again, very inspiring, very encouraging. Uh, he mentions uh, uh, just excerpts of here. In vain, uh, in that vein, I would like to share with you the fact, uh, with which many of you know, that several thousands of us recently returned from observing an annual Holy Day festival, which Almighty God commands His people to observe. The spiritual feast, Dr. Meredith is on the same uh, path, the same foundation that Mr. Armstrong had, which is the foundation of God. It's a spiritual feast called in the Bible the Feast of Tabernacles. And it will soon be observed by the entire world when Christ returns. So those of us observing it now are simply pioneers in doing what God has always told his people to do. And what the world will be doing within the next short years when Christ's feet are on this earth again. And he then describes Zechariah 14. uh, When all nations, you know, then will begin to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And he also quotes Matthew 24, 22. Again, this gospel shall be preached throughout all the world as a witness. And then finally, back in Zechariah, the Lord will be king over all the earth. And the Lord is one, His name one. So Christ will then become King of kings over the entire earth, as Revelation 11:15 clearly predicts. So I hope this has been helpful to you. It was inspiring to me because I came in the, kind of in the middle of the story. Uh, the Feast of Tabernacles was already ongoing. We had buildings. We had uh, services at that time twice a day and some Bible studies in the evening. Uh, we've modified that a little bit because of, of the, trying to be more effective and helpful to God's people, but still maintaining the, the power, the sermons, the truth, the inspiration to, uh, to look forward to the kingdom of God. And uh, again, we see that same thread from the, the very early years when Mr. Armstrong began to understand the full importance of it uh, to our day and age, even this very year. So be inspired by that. Uh, take the lessons we learned from those early years. The same lessons we're emphasizing today. Uh, this is the Feast of Tabernacles. God's kingdom is coming. We're preparing for this exciting future. So don't lose sight of that. Do the best you can, even if you're home. Uh, you know, just keep keep plugging along. Keep enduring. Uh, keep Keep tied to the work and church of God. And we'll certainly pray for healing and uh, help so that perhaps this next year, then you'll be able to attend with all of God's people at the place where God has chosen to place his name there.